Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch out. Lizzie Post. And Dan Post Senate. Act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on traveling alone, navigating family ties after ending a relationship, wedding thank you notes, and family gatherings that are too much for your partner. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about being child-free and answering questions about it. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on tipping, our most popular topic of the year. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post. (laughs) I'm packing a suitcase. I'm getting ready to fly. Our flight leaves early tomorrow morning. I'm so excited. And you're flying with a daughter. This is a big adventure for you two. It absolutely is. Anisha is coming with me to Disney World. She's bouncing off the walls. She is so excited. It's really (laughs) fun. I think it's awesome. I'm very excited to hear how this trip goes. I'm quite jealous. Please uh, get get some photos with some classic characters so that I can be like, oh, look, it's all the classic Disney things. (laughs) I'm very excited for you guys. It'll be really, really fun. Does the one degree temperature outside have anything to do with your jealousy? A little bit. It is. It is. Remember all that pretty snow we were excited about? Well, it's still here, but we are recording this during that little polar vortex that decided to drop down on on most of the united states (laughs) anything slightly north and slightly east it Um, is rough it is really rough out like this is you can't go walk the dogs weather it's not it's not safe weather like when the air can hurt you that's a problem kids don't go out for recess sledding is not an (laughs) option Dad doesn't go out for anything it's definitely not the fun side of winter but Yes, so I am imagining you in sunny, warm Florida and very jealous. It'll be a really great trip. Anisha has been repacking her suitcase about every day. Oh, stop. That is so cute. The the toiletries bag is like half of a rollerboard at this point. We're we're bringing everything. But she remembered she she was trying on her bathing suits the other day. She was coming downstairs in bathing suits and she grows so fast. Half of them are too small. Mm -hmm. But it got me thinking – about bathing suits, which I had not been planning to bring because my mind is so far from that being a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's like, I'm pretty sure Florida's been experiencing this cold snap too. So (laughs) I'm curious to see how warm it is. But there's always, you know, hotel pools, nice and warm. You guys are just going to have such a good time. And your parents are joining you on the trip too. 
They are. And I am so, so, so looking forward to that as well. Tell me something. What was like some of the like etiquette planning that went into this? Because you're doing a group trip between three generations and, and two households. And there's a work component to this trip. You're like, you're delivering a seminar at one point too. How have you kind of balanced some of the things that we talk about on the show? It is a very sandwich generation kind of trip. My parents and my children coming along with me. And it, it was very organic. It started off with me talking about how excited I was to bring Anisha and my mother recognizing that there was going to be a work component where maybe some childcare would be helpful. Yeah. And... You know, they've got a lot of Florida friends, so a good excuse to go down and visit Florida people and then maybe spend some time with her son and granddaughter was really appealing to her. Mm -hmm. And when my mother started talking about what she was up to with my father, because, of course, the plans grew and then she wanted to come spend some time at Disney World with us. My father surprised everyone by being interested in coming, in fact, expressed the interest, which for a sort of taciturn Vermonter was remarkable yeah. <laughs> um, he's also very close to his 80th birthday which is coming yeah. in the middle of february and oh fun i think in some ways it was a an opportunity to go do something all together and and celebrate as a family even the the, the subversion of it not everybody obviously but a little present to himself exactly. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome. And I will say that somehow being so close to your 80th birthday gives you a lot of latitude to ask for just about <laughs> anything you want and have everyone around you eager to say, yes, that would be awesome. Although he didn't need any excuses like that. Everyone was just delighted that he wanted to come. So we're off. We're off all of us together. And the, the planning then had obviously several steps of back and forth and checking in. And in many ways, I'm the linchpin of it, which, as you know, is not my usual affinity <laughs> in most situations. But I feel like I did a pretty good job communicating, oh, getting people details and not killing the enthusiasm in the process. <laughs> I think that is a key element, cousin. Good job. Good job. Well, I'm really excited for you guys. I can't wait to hear how this trip goes. So you're going to have to tell us about it on the next episode when you're back. I will do it, but not too much. Because who <laughs> wants to watch vacation slides? You know, Lizzie Post, we have some questions to get to before anyone can go anywhere. We absolutely do. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. 
What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is appropriately about travel trouble. Ah! <laughs> and I, I love the way the salutation reads. It's Dear Lizzie slash Dan and Dan slash Lizzie. So take your pick <laughs> whose name comes first. Someone's been listening recently. <laughs> I love your podcast. Aww. I wish I had had this a decade ago. Thanks for making the world a more kind, respectful, and friendly place. I'm now halfway through the centennial version of Etiquette and love it. Thanks for removing the misunderstanding about etiquette. My question is this. I am a widowed, retired woman of 64 years. While I love my husband, we must all deal with mortality. As a Jewish woman, I consider this part of life. I am fortunate enough to be retired as well. I consider this as my next chapter in life and a second childhood. Hmm. I mostly travel alone to arts performances and trips to places on my bucket list. I am happy to include others, but most are married and not able to join me. I still enjoy my trips. I have recently discovered a Facebook group dedicated to the expanding group of older women traveling solo, and I'm enjoying it. Yay! Yay! A year ago, I took a trip out east. I live on the west coast. To visit my relatives and to see civil rights memorials in Montgomery, Alabama. I recommend this. Mm. I decided to take the hotel up on their happy hour and talked with a couple who were there while their house was being worked on. I mentioned I was visiting several civil rights sites and asked, what areas do you recommend and what should I avoid? I looked this up before I booked the trip. The wife looked at me with alarm and said, and you are doing this alone? I ignored my visceral reaction and therefore ignored her comment, vectoring to another subject. The husband did not indicate any areas to stay out of, and the areas I was in seemed very safe. Hmm. So what is the best way to handle a comment like, and you are alone? I realize not everyone feels comfortable being alone, but I do, prudently, although I like company too. While the U.S. may not be perfect, there are parts of the world where women do not travel alone. I have avoided those areas. Regards, enjoying traveling solo. Greta. Greta, thank you so much for for sharing. I feel like this is wonderful. I love hearing about Greta's experience and how much she's enjoying this traveling alone. 
And I sympathize a bit with this. I get the alone thing sometimes myself, especially when it comes to dining out, which I actually really do enjoy doing alone. But Me too, for the record. Right? Like it's you and I talk about that, that especially work travel was a place where we developed a real fondness for this, a, a sense of autonomy that was that was really delicious <laughs> along with the food. So I feel kindred spirits here with, with Greta. You're in good company, Greta, with, with Dan and and myself. And I feel like when someone kind of has a shocked reaction to something that I find to be positive in my life, that the very best way to handle this, we talk about this in the Higher Etiquette book, is to be positive about the thing you're happy about. They can be as shocked as they want to be, and you can be just as positive about it. Yes, alone. I love it. And it was a surprise to me too, maybe. Or, you know, I had a hunch that like, that if I ever got the chance to be on my own, I would really enjoy traveling alone. And I absolutely love it. I think bringing that confidence a little bit of that sense of being like a brand ambassador for this Facebook group that you've got or like for the idea of, of uh, women in their 60s, 70s, 80s traveling alone, I think is a great way to kind of feel like that conversation isn't coming at you, but that you're being a part of it and you're you're opening up the perspective of the idea of traveling alone. And I think that's a, I don't know, that that's how I would handle this one. I like it. Lizzie Post, I was thinking of this as a series of of options that you would have in front of you because it's really up to Greta how she wants to respond to this. And like you, I think the hardest part is just keeping your wheels under you. It's (laughs) and and I love how you are describing it as a surprise and when someone surprises you with something like this. And I, I think to myself were they surprised is where that I was it thinking probably of it. Co- well okay so that's what that's what I was thinking too that the yeah, surprise goes two thinking. directions they, they're surprised <laughs> they're surprised they express the surprise that surprises you and at some yes. point that that chain gets interrupted hopefully um, <laughs> so that the surprise isn't then your shock at her being surprised and responding in that way and then she's offended yeah. and it is a consistent theme on this show that it's hard when you're faced with rude behavior, or awkward behavior to keep your cool, to stay graceful, to stay poised. And and ultimately, that's what we're looking for when we talk about etiquette is how you manage yourself and how you use it to to manage your own reactions. If you can do that, then you have a lot of good options. One was the one that Greta executed that you just sort of let it slide. You don't let it impact you and you, you move on. I like this vector to a different topic know, or I subject. I that language too. I did. For a second option, you described it better than I did, where you become the advocate for yourself. You don't have to do it, but you can offer a little bit more information if you want. And I love that idea of being a brand ambassador for alone or even for the particular Facebook group that you're finding inspiring because sometimes yeah. thinking about those people and those connections can fortify you and yeah it's not just some idea that you're standing up for it's your community option three i was thinking you could really get into it you could talk with someone about what it's like to lose a spouse or a partner and to move into a new phase of life with enthusiasm and how much you enjoy some of the the opportunities that this new childhood has presented to you another Term like from a the deeper question. dive of that brand ambassador <laughs> stuff. <laughs> They've opened the door. <laughs> so yeah, in some ways, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've got permission to walk in as far as you want to. And I really want to give Greta that permission it, while not saying that it's expected in any way. 
Yeah. What's not an option, Lizzie Post? Uh, 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 put on the spot, put on Trick the spot. Question. Oh, it's so hard to see what's missing, what's missing, what's missing. Um, you don't react badly to her, the person doing this to you. You don't, you don't, um, it, kind of like what you said j- just before you got into the options you could take that you don't want it to devolve into that. I can't believe you asked me that. Yeah, oh, well, I, I didn't mean to offend you. I wasn't trying to. Well, you did. You know, you don't want it to devolve into that. So, um, maybe not like, um, correcting them for the behavior or not like negatively responding to that, uh, to, to their response of alone. I, I was thinking something like that, that a happy okay, hour okay, okay. probably that was isn't a hot the time. <laughs> I was to, dancing. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> well, Greta, we think you're doing great. Really just very, very glad that you are enjoying traveling solo. We certainly hope that our answer helps you as you're enjoying your travels. Well, I ride a bus because it's more fun. Right now, I'm on an expense-paid tour. On a tour? Where's the rest of your party? Oh, well, that's the way they do it with Greyhound. You can travel alone or in a group and go where you please. You see, the whole trip is planned before you leave. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next question is titled, Ex-Partner Problems. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I've been mulling over a family situation for a while now and recently noticed that much of what comes up has to do with consideration and respect. So while I'd been thinking of it as a psychological and emotional dilemma, all of a sudden, I see it could be approached from an etiquette point of view. This feels refreshing, and I hope that you may help bring some clarity or new ideas. Several years ago, I ended my relationship with the man with whom I'd raised my now adult daughter. We dissolved our partnership with courtesy, but haven't been in touch much since. My former partner has been in contact quite a bit with my parents and my brother, including visiting them at their out-of-state respective homes for holidays when my daughter is there, and also visits without her. I find myself feeling uncomfortable with how often and intimately my ex visits with my family of origin, especially when I notice how much less often they visit my wife and I. It feels quite different than when he spends time with my daughter, who for all intents and purposes, is his grown child too. This feels healthy and makes sense to me. In trying to figure out what seems right in this situation, I've imagined what if my daughter at some future time were in my shoes. I think I would check in with her before a potential visit with her ex, even if we'd been close, wanting to take into consideration her feelings. I imagine I could show respect for her by agreeing to have her former partner stay in a hotel, for instance, during a visit. What do you think? How do reconfigured families navigate relationships after a divorce or similar dissolution with sensitivity and care? How can I ask for this kind of thoughtfulness when it's not offered by my brother, parents, or ex? Many thanks. Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for the question. Mm -hmm. I want to start off by just saying I love the way you're thinking so broadly about etiquette, the way you're you're thinking about 
psychological and, and emotional issues through a lens of etiquette. So often etiquette is where our behavior starts to impact those emotional and psychological realities and dynamics. And it's oftentimes a great place to focus attention because it has to do with what's really happening in the world between people yeah. and can, can really be a, another tool in a toolbox to help approach these kinds of situations and, and figure out things to do, not just how you feel about them. And I really, I, I, I like that context for this question. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. question is a tricky one. There are a lot of complicated family dynamics at play here. And when I think broadly about a divorce or a breakup with a long-term established partnership, it can be really difficult. It doesn't have to be, but it can be difficult for the friends, family, and community of those people to figure out what that breakup means for everyone else. And Big picture, because it is so complicated, we tend to let people sort those things out on their own. That mm -hmm. when a couple is breaking up, it doesn't necessarily mean that that no one's allowed to talk to anyone anymore or visit with anyone anymore. And there are all kinds of of circumstances and realities that then layer on top of that. Some divorces or breakups are more amicable than others. And it sounds like this one was handled pretty well by all parties involved, which can be really helpful and make it easier for that constellation of people around the couple to, or the, the former couple to maintain relationships in a way that's coherent and allows for things like co-parenting or just the continuation of relationships that have started to really matter to people. I can keep going, Lizzie. Both should I keep going? Do you want to come in and say something, or no, should I get into the? No, I'll pop in. I'll like... pop in. I'm I'm reminded of a couple situations in life. A really good friend of mine, she got divorced and left the area where she had grown up and her parents lived and everything. But her ex is very close. He goes to family barbecues. He he participates in all kinds of like. It just sounds just like this. They didn't have kids together, and this was going on and. She ended up really being okay with it in her life. She felt it was nice that they were all able to have that relationship with him. She doesn't talk to him that often, but he's not someone that that she has any ill will towards or anything. So she kind of just lets them all have that and and isn't isn't terribly worried about it. Her new partner when they got together I think it took him a minute to absorb it, that that was like a presence, but because it was pretty accepted and, and it wasn't like this guy was being put on a pedestal or something like that. It wasn't like a rom-com situation or something like that. <laughs> uh, but I feel like it's very much so, as Dana said, an individual thing. I think talking about feelings is worthwhile and I kind of appreciate how Michelle has has said, you know, this could be a feelings and psychological thing, but it could also just be an etiquette thing. And I think if you're going to look at it through that etiquette lens, then I find it less convincing to want to try to control other people's relationships with each other. And I find it more in the vein of supporting the fact that those people are building good relationships. And if I do have issues or I do have maybe even feelings of being left out, which it doesn't sound like you do, mm -hmm. but it, if, if those were there, I would encourage you to find a way to candidly and respectfully talk about them with folks and bring them up just the same way we talk about bringing things up with other subjects, whether it's money or plans or comfort levels. 
for me, it's it's which ways more my concern or the fact that they're having a relationship that's working for them all. You know, it didn't work between us, but this person was able to meet people that do support him in life and and do engage with him in life. And that that could just be a good thing. You know, what do they say? You're in life for a season, a reason or a, a, what, a lesson, a season or a reason, something like that. It's and this could have been a season one, or you were the the reason he got some family that helps him feel supported. I don't know. I, I go back and forth between the psychological side of it and the etiquette side of it. <laughs> and I think you've got the etiquette side of it pretty well nailed. Yeah, I, I was thinking like you that it's much easier to have a conversation about how you're feeling, how something's impacting you than mm-hmm. it is to try to suggest what someone else do as far as how they're hosting someone else. Yeah. I agree. And the, the nature of the breakup is that you, you, you give up some control or some, some say, or at least the proximity to interject into the planning or decision-making that your former partner's making with your family. You still have enough of a connection that you, you can reasonably and candidly the way you describe Lizzie talk about how it's impacting you or how it makes you feel mm-hmm. without, and this is the hook and the challenge trying to be too directive about what someone yes. else does with that information or expectant, right? Like you don't want to say it expecting them to change because they're hearing that you're hurt. I, I used to do that quite a bit. Cause like, you know, I would expect that if I voice that something's hurting me, everyone will change. Not always the case when it comes to to welcoming people or or including people. And like you, Lizzie, I noticed the comparative aspect of this question that they get Mm. together more with the former partner than with you and your new wife. And that can be a legitimate point of of, of pain. That can be a hurt that I don't think is one you need to to bury or manage on your own. That's that's a very understandable and relatable feeling. And that might be the place where you could lean into either making your own invitations or requests or even just letting someone know that that's how you feel about it might be enough for them to try to balance the equation a little bit or or, or find some more weight on the side of the scale that involves you and and your wife and getting together with you in similar or ways that, that, that satisfy and connect everybody so it doesn't feel like... Like the ex is getting more attention than you are at this point. Yeah, Dan, I am so glad you brought that up. That I that thank you. Just thank you for bringing that up. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm not going to reiterate. I'm just going to say thank you. That's good advice. <laughs> and the the parting thought that I wanted to offer yeah. here is that I think there's a way Michelle can view this as a compliment, mm-hmm. and that's that. It's a pattern that I've witnessed as as you talked about. Even in the post family, we've gone through divorces and the mm-hmm. the the MO in the post family has been that you do your best to maintain good relationships with ex partners and former members of the family, yeah. And that in, in many ways they're they're thought of as members of the family forever in some ways. I mean not in all ways, but in some ways. And if they wanna be, yeah. Yeah. Just something that I've noticed in the human dynamic of watching that is that particularly when one of the partners maybe doesn't remarry as quickly or doesn't um, – maybe wasn't the one who instigated the breakup, that the 
the family will oftentimes take care of that person in a way. And yeah, look out for them. if you're viewed as doing really well, you might not get the same attention or you might not feel the attention <laughs> Sorry, in the same way. I didn't mean to way. laugh at that, but I appreciate where you're going with this. <laughs> I, I, I really genuinely think that, and it, I, I'm not guaranteeing that it is, but it might be a bit of a compliment. It might be, uh, well, oh, we know Michelle. She's great. She's doing great. And... Um, her life is full and she wouldn't want to come just stay with us if the if her child wasn't here or or it just wouldn't occur to them to to plan it in the same way. Yeah. But that I was just thinking that was something that I was thinking about as I read the question and I really wanted to share it with Michelle yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, well, we're sorry that you're experiencing this. We really appreciate how you're allowing etiquette to help you look at the situation through a different lens. And we certainly hope that our answer helps and that you and your family are able to spend more time together in the future. Yes, Nick is learning the importance of looking ahead. He's making some decisions about the kind of future he wants and some plans to reach it. Nick wants a happy home life in the future. So he is finding out how his own family works right now and why it gets along so well. Our next question is about post-wedding worries. Uh-oh. Is it proper for the groom to help the bride write thank you notes for wedding gifts? And how much time after the wedding do you have to write them? In the old days, I think I remember you had a year. Thank you, Shannon. Shannon, this is such a great Great classic wedding etiquette question. Thank you for asking it. Yes, yes, yes. Only no. That's the answer. <laughs> yes, the groom can absolutely help write the thank you notes for the wedding gifts. You could have like one person writing and one person doing the envelopes. You could divide the batch in half. You could go with, you Take know. Take the friends and family you brought. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's, that's the next one I was going to try to explain. Um, you could do it any way you want to. You could do a third and two thirds. I mean, whatever you guys feel like, but sit down. We usually try to say once a day or every other day and try to knock out like two, three notes max. You really don't want to try to do 10 in a row. Honestly, like five starts to feel like a lot, I feel like personally. So uh, set yourself up well, get some cards that you really like, whether they say thank you on them or not. Do not do a pre-printed note that has the whole note pre-printed and is a generic thanks so much for coming to our wedding and for anything you may have gotten us that's not okay but spend some time together doing this and uh the no comes for in terms of the year you really want to get these out within like three months of the wedding Having said that, Dan, as you know, we've had some delicious stories on this podcast about people finding their thank you notes unsent <clears throat> and sending them out years later, <clears throat> and it sparks great conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we talking about anybody on the microphone <clears throat> today? <laughs> I think I've covered it all, Dan. Have I missed anything for Shannon? <laughs> no, I think you, you you covered the bases. I was going to say, whatever window of time you allow yourself to do it, do it sooner. Try, yeah. <laughs> try not to deadline this one, speaking from experience. And the aside that I wanted to offer is, for many people, yeah. when you get home from the honeymoon, whatever it is that you're going to go do after the wedding to decompress, to celebrate, maybe a big honeymoon happens later, maybe there's a little trip, or, or whatever you do to decompress, give yourself a minute to relax and breathe, yeah. but then get to it. Before the wedding gets gets too faint in your mind, it can be a really nice way to draw out that feeling, to extend it, to live in it just a little bit longer, or, or to relive it together. 
Shannon, thank you for this short, quick, classic etiquette question. It is a really great opportunity for us to touch base on some wedding etiquette before the season begins. But time doesn't stand still. And marriage is far more than loving together and enjoying companionship. It's making decisions together. And we had to learn to plan as partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our next question is titled Family Partner Problem. Dear Dan and Lizzie, my partner and I live about 30 minutes from our hometown, which is also where both of our families are located. My family can be, in quotes, a lot for my partner, and he doesn't like visiting with them as much as I do. Frequently, when an invitation is extended to us to go for dinner, I let my family know that I will be attending, but my partner will not. This does not bother me. I'm comfortable and happy to go by myself and don't mind that my partner would rather hang out at home or go for a bike ride or whatever he's doing. I can catch up with my family better this way. However, sometimes my family will respond with, oh, he can't make it. Does he have something going on? Or, oh, what is he up to that day? Or even at the event, where's your partner? Or what's your partner doing today? This has become a pattern. And I'm having trouble finding a way to respond to these types of inquiries that is truthful but does not hurt feelings, especially because this whole situation occurs fairly frequently, maybe every couple months. Telling them honestly that he's probably relaxing on the couch feels like the subtext is, you would rather be sitting on the couch than being here. I'm really struggling with what to say in these scenarios, especially repeatedly. Thanks for your guidance in this and other situations. Listeners, since 2015, I appreciate you both more each year. From Anonymous. Aww. Anonymous, thank you so much for the question, and thank you so much for mentioning that you've been with us since 2015. Yeah. That is a good long time, and it is great to have Almost you Almost the entire time. <laughs> As I read this question, I have two such distinct channels going in my brain. And mm. one is that this is a completely reasonable situation. Yeah. That when family lives so close, oftentimes the degree of time that you would want to spend together is more for the part of the couple that's more connected to that family than the other. And mm -hmm. I, I living very close to a lot of family can appreciate that impulse and that, that instinct and even the willingness that you have within your partnership to operate autonomously so that you can really go do the things that you like. Your, your partner can get what they need and you can get what you need and really stay intimately and closely connected to your family. Mm -hmm. In that train of thought, my advice is that I think it's worth having an answer that is both honest and sincere, but also doesn't paint your partner into a corner where mm -hmm. he looks like he is disengaged or doesn't like the family that you're visiting or doesn't like the experience of being with them, even if he likes them generally. And I, I think that there is a version of that discussion that's honest. 
-hmm. You can tell them that he's someone who really values his free time. It might be true that there are other aspects of his life that are really demanding and that Mm -hmm. that that free time is something that you have to sort out for yourself in a way that that allows you to continue to be independent and happy and recovered (laughs) mentally um and that knowing that you're with your family and having a a good time enjoying that time with them doing exactly what you would want to be doing allows him to do that that these Mm -hmm. are actually really great opportunities for him to get a little solo time and that that's really important to him so mm-hmm. it's not like he's escaping or getting away or not sort doing something that he should yeah. be doing, but but really take some time to set that understanding up with your family. That That's my first etiquette thought in terms of the nature of the discussion. I think it's worth having if it keeps coming up or at mm-hmm. least being ready with that answer when it comes up the next time. Mm-hmm. And before I jump into what I would think of as the other track, Lizzie Post, how am I doing here on track one? I think you're doing great on track one, and I think it's it's – I've noticed as as our family all grew up and many of them got married, listening to the cousins describe the different ways that relationships formed and were shifted or developed or didn't develop within families as we've absorbed more people into the larger post family has been really interesting. And seeing where people have found connection and camaraderie, like things that they go to to do together. I'm thinking of uh, Pooj and, and Aunt Maureen, you know, like going off birding together, but also learning about people's limits and where they need space and how they recover. And we're at a stage in our family where because of kiddos, I think everybody recognizes that a family event might pose a freebie day for a spouse or a partner, like from parenting duties or something like that. Or I've, I've seen my brother-in-law come to one of our family events, but with the explicit job of minding the children at the event so that my sister could spend time with her cousins and not have to worry about her kids who are in that phase where they both just want mom. And it's like, oh my gosh, she needs space. She needs connection with some other people in her life. So there are different ways that I've seen folks manage the need for Freedom, autonomy, space, decompression time, relaxing time, rejuvenation time, connecting time. And I like Dan's version of just like, let's talk about it. Let's frame it in a positive way so that this is something we are actively doing, not something that that is like, I'm trying to avoid people. I don't enjoy this. And at the same time, I also want to give a little credit to the fact that like, you know, Families merge and not everybody gets along and enjoys spending a ton of time together. And um, I think it's really nice to to show up sometimes to recognize that you all have that connection. And I think it's okay. Uh, uh, other times, I don't think they should be too out of balance with each other that you can you can lean into the staying home. So I don't know. Balance. Balance is my big theme here. Well, and I'm loving that because balance is going to transition me from what I was thinking of as track one to track two. And you're describing balance between those two tracks. The second track I was thinking of is talk to your partner. And my sort of humorous approach was that it might be time to get off the couch once in a while and go to dinner. Uh, I agree, by the way. Just just saying. <laughs> the, the, the feeling that you were talking about of family coming together and 
the connections that you form and the bonds that you form by actually making an effort, by being there for each other, by taking a little bit of your sharing free time and offering that up and, and sharing a meal with with your extended family, your new extended family, and that you don't always know where those rewards are going to be reaped and present themselves. But there's a, a reason they say blood is thicker than water and nothing matters like family and that there might be times in life where it's not just about getting together for a fun dinner, but about supporting each other through hard times or um, really wanting to celebrate when something extraordinary happens and having invested in those relationships can really be worthwhile and in ways that you might not anticipate. And it might not necessarily just be friendship or that I, 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 like spending this time with my in-laws more than I like doing this other thing that I love to do. But that mm -hmm. in the big picture of my life, having those relationships just be really solid and really be something that, that is invested in can, can really be worthwhile. And I think that if you're consistently hearing from your family, that there's an impression they have about your partner, that there's room in an etiquette discussion to have an equally candid conversation with your partner about that impression and how it's forming. And it, it might recognizing be recognizing it. Yeah. yeah. That you can help address that by talking to them and creating that mm -hmm. space for your partner. But it also might be that by making a minimal effort showing up sometimes, um, you, you mm -hmm. could achieve a lot. And I liked in your balance talk, Lizzie, you thinking about ways that that might happen where someone could come, but it would be understood that they're really going to be focused on the kids and watching the kids and trying to create space for someone else to really engage with adult time. Or mm -hmm. I was thinking about a, someone I know in Pooja's extended family who shows up to family gatherings and is famous for falling asleep during them. He works really <laughs> hard and it's, it's like a, a reputation he has. There's like a legend about it that he can sleep anywhere. He can sleep in the middle of a room that's chaos or he will excuse himself and find a bedroom upstairs and just lay down and nap for an hour or two. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and it's sort of adorable. Everybody loves it about him in this big gregarious family where the last thing anyone else is doing is napping. I know we've gone on for quite a while on this, but I, I do think this is a really interesting topic and I, I don't want to close on a bummer note. But the other thing to recognize is that not all families are going to enjoy spending a ton of time together. And if that's the case, I mean, maybe this is really a case of personalities clashing and it, it really isn't comfortable being in that space. And that it's worth sometimes recognizing the truth of that and finding ways to work politely around it. And that's why I like the idea of commit yourself to like every other month go, if this is like, if it's a, if it's like a weekly request or a monthly request, commit yourself to like going every other month, you know, showing up, as Dan said, putting in that time to recognize and respect that family connection that you do have. But you also don't have to force relationships that aren't going to be there. And your parents might have been under an expectation of, you know, we were going to have a, you know, new person in the family and it's going to be amazing and we're expanding. And if they're feeling that disappointment, they've, they've got to manage that and deal with that. <laughs> like, but the reality is not all relationships are going to be the best relationships. And I think working with that reality, but finding a way to do it politely is worth it. Anonymous, thank you for this question. After seven years, maybe eight years now, depending on how you do the math of listening <laughs> to the podcast, this is a new one. And I think there's a, a, a lot of really rich 
etiquette to think about here. And we really hope that our answer helps, whichever track you find yourself on or whatever balance you and your family strike in this situation. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're really enjoying Awesome Etiquette, please consider getting a paid subscription to our Substack, which is the new version of our sustaining membership to the podcast. You can do this by going to emilypost.substack.com. You'll get an ads-free version of the show, access to bonus questions and content, as well as our discussion threads and community. Plus, you're going to feel great knowing that you help to keep awesome etiquette on the air. To those of you who are already paid subscribers over on the Substack, thank you so much for your support. We are so grateful that you've moved over to this new space with us, and we are loving it. So please, please, please keep it up. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we have feedback from Charlie on episode 437. Hello Liz and Daniel. While listening to SPC's Dish Dilemma, it occurred to me that the writer's great aunt's behavior of arriving early and bringing her own main dish to Christmas dinner indicates she may have a sense of ownership of the hosting responsibilities. Interesting. Perhaps at one point in the family's history, she herself hosted Christmas dinner. I would encourage the writer to be more inclusive of her great aunt and her traditions. Acknowledge that the ham was a surprise and lean into planning next year's menu with her. Ask her what she would like to bring if that particular dish is important to her. I feel that the host of a family holiday celebration has a responsibility to try and include the things that make the day special for each person. Exercising too much control over the gathering might defeat the purpose of the all-together. I love the podcast and wish you another fantastic year of success. Best, Charlie. Charlie, thank you for the feedback. We certainly like the idea of being a little bit more inclusive, too, if it works. And if and if this is the kind of sense and vibe that we're getting. No, not, not all situations might run that way. But I really appreciate always the inclusive angle. Thank you so much for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette 
And today's etiquette is totally an etiquette classic, but it has reigned supreme as our number one requested topic from the media of the year. It is still going on. Tipping. Americans are up in arms over tipping, and every news outlet seems to want to have at least two or three stories about it. Dan, I feel like I talk about tipping weekly here at the Emily Post Institute, which it just didn't feel like that two years ago. Okay, granted, we were in a pandemic, so maybe like four years ago. <laughs> we needed this postscript because we just haven't been talking enough about tipping like this in all the other areas of our work <laughs> at Emily Post, right? That would be Dan's sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm so not good at it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's so sincere. <laughs> and I want to be really clear. This is not the annual tipping. This isn't our, yep. our annual this gift isn't giving, holiday tipping. holiday tipping or new year tipping. This is the everyday kind. And yeah. I think that a little bit that sense of we just keep talking about tipping might come from the fact that we spend the months of November and December talking about, <laughs> talking about holiday tipping. tipping. Yeah. And then to have the hot topic of the new year and everyday etiquette be the kind of tipping that we encounter increasingly in a greater number of places in our lives is yeah. is something that yeah we're hearing a lot about and we thought we should probably have a little postscript here <laughs> to talk about it too <laughs> you all will remember from the pandemic days of this show that uh t that during the pandemic especially during lockdowns tipping really became a mechanism for people to be able to get money to workers to support the local establishments that they really love and the people who operate them. And that it was very much so on a basis of if you can, great. And that was the attitude to take. If you can tip more, if you can do a big tip, if you can go above and beyond, please do. Right now is a time where it would be really helpful. What we've been experiencing sort of since pandemic living, as we've all come out and, and gotten back together and have been engaging a lot more, is that we seem to be experiencing the tip screen everywhere. It's like the ever-present tip screen. It is, I mean, we. I remember when we were first starting to see them in taxis and you would see the slightly inflated tips. So like where taxi tipping can be anywhere from like 10 to 20% as a standard, you were seeing the percentages start at the like 25%, percentages. like yeah. 25, 30 and 35. And I was like, well, that's, a, that's, I mean, I get why you're doing it, but no, like my company tells me on business trips, we can do 15% tips. Thanks. Like, I remember that experience. That experience has exploded to cafes, retail stores I'm hearing about it in, gas stations not in states like New Jersey where you aren't allowed to pump your gas and are often giving a tip to an attendant. So, like, just when you run in to buy, you know, like your little snack and your, your bottled water or whatever, <laughs> at least that's me running in <laughs> to buy a snack and a bottle of water, um, that you're getting asked to tip there and people are really feeling the pressure. They're feeling frustrated. They kind of feel like, wait a second, did I come out of kind of the social distancing world we had been in to emerge into a place where we tip all the time all of a sudden? Like, what the heck happened? You're painting a very vivid picture that I think accounts for the moment that we're in where there's so much interest in this topic. That ethic of supporting service and service economies that were both really challenged economically and were so critical to a maintaining of any kind of normalcy to life for a lot of people really, I think, pushed people into that direction of, of feeling good about wanting to do more. 
mm-hmm. or or understanding where the impulse to want to do more would come from. It's a little bit strange in general to find yourself pulling back from a spirit of generosity yes. as the situation <laughs> changed. I think there's some inherent yeah. awkwardness in that as as we quote unquote return to normal at different rates, different places. But then you you layer that tech challenge on top of it, that point of sale device that's become so ubiquitous with those suggested tip amounts and the reality of the awkwardness of that moment in general, when that screen turns around and faces you and that kind person who just provided good service is standing behind it. And the thought in your mind is these are all too much. I don't want to tip this much, if at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that moment in a moment of a general pullback has created just a lot of uncertainty and that yeah. runs counter to a good tip functioning the way you would want it to function in the best possible yeah. world where it's a genuine act of gratitude and appreciation. We call it a gratuity mm-hmm. and done well. Gratitude feels good for everyone. It feels good for the person expressing it. It feels good for the person receiving it. And we know that it's a tenet, a fundamental principle of good etiquette, consideration, respect, and honesty. And part of that honesty is the actions that you take feeling good in a genuine way, being sincere and truthful and authentic to the way that you are, the moment that you're in. So how do we bring that feeling, that spirit of gratitude back Mm -hmm. into a moment where you're uncertain, where Mm -hmm. you're caught off guard, where you're not expecting to have someone expect a tip, where you're certainly not expecting a tip to be as high a percentage as the ones that are being suggested to you um, is, is a really understandable thing. And I think having real clarity about which tips are discretionary and which aren't and that it's okay in a discretionary situation to tip the way that you feel good about is oftentimes enough to return that good spirit to the experience. Yeah. The world of tipping and our tipping expectations didn't change. It's just that there's a point of sale system that makes it very easy for people to present tips as an option. And I think a lot of people were doing that because customers were asking for it during the pandemic and then they've they've left it there as an option because it's it's bringing in more money. I find it hard pressed to believe that folks in retail situations actually expect a tip when they turn that screen around and it's there. I think in those types of situations, they're trying to catch someone in a moment of not thinking, catch someone, you know, just like glean a little opportunity off of a moment that I don't think that they're sitting there thinking Americans are now expected to tip at the gap. You know what I mean? But that's the thing, because that gets me is the 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 potential for what we're seeing just be opportunistic. And and in some ways, people would say that about the tip jar. And and I remember when the tip jar kind of first became a more ubiquitous thing and we were talking about it. It was like right when I first joined the Institute, probably about five years before that, that was kind of new, newer etiquette advice that was coming out. And I've at least grown up with the tip jars, so I feel like they're pretty normalized. Maybe kids today will feel totally normalized by being presented with that tip screen at a at a retail moment I'll instead confess, of a, a it, service moment. It doesn't bother yeah. me anymore. When it doesn't I, when that when that point of sale device turns around. I just assume it's part of the new system, and everyone's adopting that system. new system now. Yeah, it and that that's a, I think that's a good way to go. What I don't love that I feel like I hear is happening out there is this 
feeling of pressure and guilt that people are talking about. I don't like the idea of switching a gratuity being a little something extra to show some appreciation to being something that we do because we feel guilty and pressured into it. And I don't think Emily would have liked that. When she first uh, wrote her book, there was another competing etiquette expert out there. And the ad campaigns for that expert's work focused heavily on fear and embarrassment as reasons for why you'd want to buy the book. And it really bothered Emily. Uh, Laura Claridge writes about it in her biography, that this was not the tact Emily wanted to take things from. She wanted to come from a place of feeling confident. And what I like, Dan, about hearing you say that, that you don't, it doesn't bother you anymore. You're already used to this thing is that you feel confident saying no when it feels appropriate to, that in a situation where we don't traditionally tip, you don't mind just skipping that screen. And I want more people to feel like that about it. I want more people to feel the confidence that tipping has not changed. It's still, you know, uh, 15 to 20% or more for stellar service if you're in a sit-down restaurant, that it's discretionary if it's something like a tip jar. And that if you do want to tip at a tip jar, most people are tipping somewhere between their loose change and 10% and they tip more if it's a complicated order or someone really went above and beyond for them. But it's also okay if you just get the coffee and it's not a busy time and it is an easy order to just, you know, get the coffee and pay for the coffee. I like the confidence and I would love to to keep us going in the direction of a confident angle with dealing with this rather than what I think has been created, which is so much of that feeling of pressure and guilt and expectation and uncertainty. Yeah. Like you. I keep that sit-down table service walled off in my mind. That's its yes. own thing. 15 to 20% when I walk into a restaurant, order from a menu, food is brought to the table, that should be budgeted for, planned for, accounted for ahead of time, and should never be skipped. Yeah. The range that you gave for tipping in a taxi I think is a really good one to keep in mind, a 10 to 20% tip for a ride that you're paying for is I think a really good range to keep in mind is pretty customary. It's not an absolute have to every time, but if you're aware that that's the expected range, I think it can help feel good about not choosing a suggested 25, 35% tip, however high that suggestion that goes. goes on the screen around the pandemic. Some people started thinking about a 10% tip on takeout orders from sit down restaurants. It's by no means a standard that's expected, but I think it's a nice range to have in mind so I do that too. you've got a sense of, of what m might be going on in the community around you if you want to participate in that and buy into that idea. Beyond that, as you point out, really knowing that that word discretionary means discretionary and particularly around that point of sale purchase, I love telling people it is always an option on that screen to not tip and it is almost always an option to choose some other amount. Yes, and yeah. I, I feel I can't tell you, Lizzie Bost, how comfortable I feel hitting other amount. Me too. <laughs> and I will put twenty cents. I will put I, I, on a, on a low dollar purchase. It I really am, like on a yeah, like on a two dollar purchase, twenty cents would make sense. Yeah, I am really comfortable tipping what looks like a small amount on that screen because I know that small amounts add up. They add up yep. over a day, over a week, over a year. That it's not nothing, it's something, and it's the equivalent to what I used to do when I put the remainder change in the jar. I don't sit there and add up the dollar and try to do a cash equivalence tip, but if I would like to give just a little something, I 
I feel good about giving a little something in those moments. And yeah. it's felt really good to return to that place of feeling good about a counter tip and just not mm -hmm. letting that pandemic and tech shift interfere with with that little tip to the barista who I love and appreciate. I really, really like that spirit, Dan. It feels really complicated out there. And clearly by the number of interviews we're doing on the subject, it's it's not going to go away, I think, anytime soon. But we are hoping that with confidence and with feeling good about the interaction and remembering, as Dan has said, that this is about showing your gratitude with your gratuity, that that's something that we can all get back to feeling confident, good, easy about. And you know what else? It also helps me stay in that place where I can have a smile on my face and I can thank yeah. them when I take the yeah. cup of coffee because tip, no tip, big tip, small tip, it should never be a stand-in for basic human decency and connection. So being able to look that person in the eye, smile, and thank them for the pizza <laughs> before you walk out the door is something never to lose the capacity to do. I could go on and on and on about tipping because, mm -hmm. well, we've been going on and on about tipping and I've got a lot to say. But I think we've covered most of it at this point. We really hope that this Postscripts helps everyone out there feel confident and good about tipping wherever you find it. You realize that it's the simple things. Being friendly, thinking of the other person, and showing respect that make up everyday courtesy. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we got a salute via text message. Lizzie Post, you are going to love this one. Oh, yeah? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was excited to read on your substack that you've recently partnered with High Note. Oh, I have oh. been using High Note ever <laughs> since Lizzie shared her favorite way to express herself via text. <laughs> it has quickly turned into my go-to communication app. My friends and family always appreciated a jazzed-up thank you or congratulations note. At times, I do not always remember to pick up a card or a roll of stamps, so these little texts are gold to me. Nice. You guys have made etiquette more digital and accessible, so hats off to you. I will be sure to share the app and your templates the next time I talk with someone about etiquette. I hope you share this etiquette salute with the awesome etiquette community. <laughs> Also, on another note, I meant to write in to say how much I love your new edition of Emily Post Etiquette. Aww. My husband gifted it to me for my birthday, and I enjoy perusing it at my leisure. I can hear both of your voices in the book, and it makes a marvelous companion to your weekly podcast. One point you might want to consider for future editions. Have a satin bookmark or two added to the <sighs> spine of the book so yeah. people can save their places. Your book is special and attractive, and I think a bookmark would fit in well. Congratulations on your successful book launch, Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous, thank you so much. This is a, a sort of an ad adapted salute today. <laughs> Bridget, thank you for putting this in. That really did bring a smile to my face. Um, I am so excited about our digital stationery. And just the, the app in general, like I've made some really cute things out of it. And I've really enjoyed having it. So it's really, really exciting. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the salute. And we're so glad that you're having such a good time exploring all aspects, uh, both the physical and the digital side of etiquette. 
and usually we do the salute really quick, but I have to say one other thing. Yeah. The idea of a satin bookmark or ribbon oh, for I this know. book. I know. Um, is also something that um, Anonymous should know resonates with Lizzie Post. Yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> thought about doing a special gift version of this book that would have included things like that that kind of satin ribbon yep. for keeping your place. And it didn't end up happening this time around. But the more feedback we get like this, the better yep. we are able to advocate for such things in the future. And if you ever want to reach out to our publisher, 10 Speed Press, and tell them how much you want a special edition of the book, well, we wouldn't mind. They are at 10 Speed Press on Instagram. Just saying. Thank you so much for this salute. And thank you for listening today. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Substack. Please help us grow the awesome etiquette community and connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share your podcasts. You can send us your next question, piece of feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member of the show by visiting us over at emilypost.substack.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It really helps our show ranking, which will help more people to find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris, Thanks, and, Chris Bridget. and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.